0: It's impossibly fast and strong. Its skin is pale white and ice cold. I know what it is. Say it out
1: loud.
0: It's fun fiction!
1: Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen. The weekly podcast about movies, literature, and the fan fiction it inspires. I am one of your hosts, Scotty Moore.
0: And I am your other host, Britta Clark. Good day, fam. <laughs>
1: Good day, mate. How about a biscuit? <laughs> um
0: So how are you? I am awesome because I just watched one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Br- <laughs> I knew it. Well, no, we, we've we already had our argument
1: IRL, and by argument, I mean me and you sending each other gifts, threatening one another about talking about the quality of Twilight?
0: Yeah, the FBI agents that watch us are probably very worried that we're gonna really kill each other, but it's okay, guys, we're fine, we're okay.
1: We're good, well, I don't want to spoil anything, because once I get into... How I watched Twilight, it will be the rest of the show. So, I want to kind of open the floor to you right now. To to to, (laughs) I want to open the floor to you to give your opinions on Twilight and how much you love it. And then we'll get into the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life.
0: No, I need the banter. You have to, like, come at me or this isn't fun. No, I'm going to banter
1: with you. Don't worry. It's just a matter of... I just know I'm cocked and loaded with an amazing thing that I did. But, well, I mean, I want to hear- tell me that! No, no, then- it's okay. The- this is, like, the news. This is, like, more at 11. And now, here's Brenna with why she
0: loves, uh, Edward over Jacob. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for coming to my TED Talk. Um, <laughs> I- <laughs> And also for picking the right person. Well, thank you. in
1: this movie, Jacob really does look like a shitty tan Jared Padalecki, and I didn't like it. Ew. I know, I was just like, (laughs) I want my moose back, you've
0: (laughs) wrecked my moose. Uh, I hate him so much, and it gets so much worse from here on (laughs) out. And I don't know if this is a thing that you're wanting to, like, come back to, or if we're just doing twilight and that's it which either way it's fine but i could go on for hours about the gag fest that is jacob but we're not going to
1: yeah uh, let's just make it twilight focus that way if we're need if we want to do new moon we can um but yeah he. I mean, he's not that bad in this one he's just kind of like the weird neighbor who she's not into but people think they should get together anyways
0: It's the dopey boy next door that's like, why don't you like him instead of this unattainable, like, beautiful, glittery, (laughs) peacoat-wearing (laughs)
1: motherfucker. This peacoat-wearing piece of shit.
0: I really, Uh, I think that Edward Cullen single-handedly brought back the peacoat because I can remember being in high school and, like, my only wish for myself was to have a peacoat. And then I finally got one and I never wore it. All right. Look here, fucking Rita (laughs)
1: Clark. Let me tell you right now, only one movie brought back the peacoat and it's boondock fucking saints.
0: That's not true, but (laughs) yes, it is. It's okay.
1: (laughs) Don't do this to me. You
0: can think what you want to. (laughs) Um,
1: but yeah, uh, Jacob's an asshole. Okay. Here's my thing about the, the movie From what I have heard, from a lot of people who are huge fans of the books, Mm -hmm. the movie does not do it justice at all.
0: Well, okay, I want you to take that and just sit and think on it. Like, how many times, if you had a dollar for every time someone said to you, the book is better than the movie, how many dollars would you have?
1: Okay, look, we've had this discussion before, Brenna. Just tell me, how much better is the book than the movie? Or is no. it... it...
0: <laughs> that's not my point. My point is, nothing is ever... Well, I was nothing. There's a couple of things that hold pretty up pretty well. But nothing is ever going to be as good as the source material. But I think it does a pretty damn good job.
1: I, I'm sorry, I'm going to rebut that last uh, sentence you said with one movie, and that's Jaws. And, oh, wait, hold on, another one, Jurassic Park. Oh, wait, another one, Forrest Gump. There's a bunch of them.
0: You just named, like, three random films. I don't know.
1: That are based off books!
0: <laughs> that I have not read, so I can't... Exactly! I can like... Yeah, I don't know. Alright.
1: Um, so, wait, Team Edward all the way, then?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... If you're not Team Edward, who are you? Like it doesn't even make sense to me. He's
1: Ugh. Team Winchester.
0: Well, no, because he's not. Look, I don't. I didn't used to like Jared Padalecki, but now after watching thirteen seasons of Supernatural, I'm starting to find him attractive.
1: Wait, but... hold on. You're telling me the scene. Girl, the scene, and I guess we should save this for the Supernatural episode, but where that boy does rapid-fire push-ups and pull-ups shirtless, and then Ew. you see the abs of Padalecki?
0: No, oh. that's, not, mm-mm, that's not what I'm into. I'm not into muscles and things like that. Look, give me snarky sense of humor any day, Dean Winchester, hi, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not why we're here today. That's a, that's a different TED Talk. I don't, I really don't, my whole, I have probably the most notes that I've ever had since we've been doing this, and it's all just, I love this, and this is great, and, I mean, not really, but that's the gist
1: of it. Yeah. Now, I'm trying my best not to do a Harry Potter episode again. I don't mean, uh, like, like the first one, where where I was a hate wraith.
0: Well, you can tell me what you hate and I will tell you why you're wrong. No. no.
1: <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind immediately is Case 2.
0: I I'm prepared to kill somebody over <laughs> my love. For Case 2, you don't understand. I have fought for her for years and I will continue to do so because Let me let me Okay. You need, Have you watched her in anything else?
1: No, I really want to watch the um black is it the Joan Jet movie? I can't remember what it's called, but oh, I really want to see right that. Runaways,
0: yes, very good in that. Also, very good in American Ultra. Also, there's other things, but she she really is such a good actress, and I don't think I don't think that people understand like what she's doing in the movie. Like I think. I think that she gets Bella perfectly because, I mean, they're all like, oh, she is so, like, shy and timid and doesn't ever do anything and she's all bleh and, okay, fine, but that's, that's, like, who Bella is at first and and then you get to see her growth from that to, sorry, spoiler alert to everybody to when she becomes a badass vampire by the end.
1: See, but here's my thing, is the fact that I don't see any growth in the movie at all. It goes from, she looks kinda sickly and constipated in scene one, to final scene, where she still kinda looks sickly and constipated.
0: That's, but we're talking, that's the first movie, Scotty, you gotta, you gotta, this is what I told you with Harry Potter, you gotta, like, stick it out and be there for the growth. (laughs)
1: don't do this to me i don't think i don't i don't foresee much growth Uh, i will
0: say though i was looking at the um what's it called uh the trivia on imdb for Mm -hmm. twilight and one of them was kristen stewart smiles over 35 times during the course of the movie (laughs) and i just found that so funny
1: I didn't I didn't count but I mean okay see the only time where it really affect her performance really affected the way I felt during my viewing which you'll understand why my viewing was a bit skewed in a minute was um the scene where they're like laying in the grass after the big I'm a vampire moment and they're looking right. at each other and she looks like she wants to kill him she's just like <sighs>
0: Kill him with desire, maybe.
1: No, dog, like, let me put it that one scene, because later they do very good with sexual tension. That scene there was the opposite of sexual tension.
0: But, Scottford, let me ask you something. If if this guy that you liked just showed you that he glitters like a piece of fabric in Hobby Lobby. And it's like, I'm a vampire. And then you're starting to think, well, shit, vampires sparkle and they, like, what? Wouldn't you look kind of weirded out too?
1: No, Brenna, if I found out that my boyfriend was a sparkly vampire that could live forever, to quote Lady Gaga, that beat is sick. I'm going to take a ride on his disco (laughs) stick at that
0: point. I thought you were going to say... Show me your teeth, which is also pretty (laughs) cool. Yes,
1: my famous seduction line, show me your teeth.
0: Who's to say that it wouldn't work?
1: Is that ha- is, uh, You said that in a way that makes me think that's how Garen got you. It was one day he just walked <laughs> no. up and was like, show me your teeth. And you're like, it's,
0: probably, ah. it's probably vice versa, because I have a thing for teeth, I don't know. Not like a tooth fairy thing, but, I mean, I've always been obsessed with vampires, which also may be why I'm so attached to this
1: okay. narrative so we're we're, yeah. we're breaking it down that way because for me i've always been afraid of vampires, and we talked oh. about the, we talked about this on b s it's because I'm also afraid of injections, and vampires oh. are like two walking human injections
0: Well, you know what I've never thought about it that way because I am scared to death of injections and yet the thought of a vampire puncturing my skin is just like oh,
1: yes. <laughs> Brenna, calm give down give me a
0: fainting count, count- <laughs>
1: <laughs> um <laughs> I don't okay know. do you are you prepared for your life to be forever changed and you to not be able to watch twilight ever again without implementing my one specific change
0: not really because um this 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 story's really important to me Scotty no no no
1: <laughs> You know how you know how a good chef sprinkles some salt on the dish to enhance the flavor?
0: Scotty, my- I'm 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 white. I don't I don't want any spice <laughs> on my on my I narrative. Have found,
1: I have found the best salt to just mm salt bay it over the top. So do you know what dark side of the uh Oz is? No. It is apparently some guys in like the '70s got real high and figured out that if you play Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon no. at the same time, it syncs up. It also yeah. it also works with Paul Blart Mall Cop too, which is what gave me the idea for this. Oh God! But see, here's the thing, Brenna. I knew going into this, I wanted to get into that Brenna mindset, especially oh 2008, Brenna who <laughs> is like oh, doing no. weird twilight backyard photo shoot
0: Shut up <laughs> No, it wasn't a photo shoot. It was a video. Thank you very much.
1: Oh my god, that's even better. So, mm. I thought, what better than just to turn to some good old FOB Fallout boy? Oh no. So, okay, for those of you at home, I became unto a god last night because the length of Fallout Boy's Save Rock and Roll album is literally one third the length of the Twilight film. God, so help you, us. you can play it three times in a row. Brenna, I swear to God, it syncs up perfectly with the film. It's insane how well this syncs up with the film.
0: I'm going to. This seems a little sacrilegious to me because this movie has one of the best soundtracks of all time. The only time—the
1: only time where I missed the soundtrack was during the baseball game because I—I uh, re- yeah. I, I really love that song. Um, but I do. What's bad is I actually think I have the most notes I've ever written as well. But mine are all about how well the music fits in
0: i'm (laughs) i'm so baffled by you right now
1: oh b be like let me put it this way your first playthrough because you get three playthroughs of save rock and roll the first one is during that kind of slow bit in the beginning so it does feel a bit clashing but it still works a little bit so you know the beginning of the film you open up on a baby deer running through the woods at the same time. Oh, by the way, to sync it up perfectly, it has to be right after Bella says, like, I never thought much about how I would die or whatever that opening line is. Immediia- yeah. Immediately after that, hit play on the first song, which is the phoenix in that did it, did it, did it, did it fits perfectly over that deer running. And then the, um, you know, when it goes into that first verse and it goes really calm for a moment, it's the exact moment the fucking vampire grabs the deer. It's synced up perfectly.
0: What goes through your brain to make you try things like this?
1: I got bored! I was like, I want to I be able to talk about it in a positive light, and I am. So... Uh-uh. Oh, girl, let me put it this way. The salt doesn't just enhance the flavor. It also enhances the sexual tension. Because the oh first, time I, first time I saw this movie, I'm like, these two hate each other. This time, any scene they're together, I'm like, they're about to bone down right now. Um Also, just want to say, what else is happening in that opening scene? She's leaving Phoenix as the Phoenix fucking plays.
0: I cannot with you right now.
1: Okay, then um, some shit happens. She goes to Forks. She winds up in the school, and they're eating food together. And as the Colton, Col- the Coltons, the Collins, uh, <laughs> as the Collins enter the room, I light 'em up, 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 light 'em up, up, up. Yeah. it's they're walking in slow mo to this song. Oh be so many good moments. Let me let me try to find some of my favorite. My favorite of them all was the uh field when they go to the field the vampire I'm a vampire scene because yes. at this point the soundtrack had looped and Bella is at home trying to find out about Edward cuz she's worried that Edward is the one killing all the people. Right. At the same time my songs know what you did in the darkest place. <laughs> So it is literally. She's like, I know what you do in the dark. You kill people. And then at the end of that scene, there's that slow mo where she walks by him, and into the woods. It's at the same time like that, duh, 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 and you're we're watching like, oh god, she's about to confront him. Nope, walks right past him. Then they go into the woods. Then you see Edward come in and then you hear i don't know where you go but i well, like that the opening to alone together plays which the ah fuck i can't remember the exact lyrics i need to look it up um but it's a an entire song about like them wanting to be alone together as they go off into the fucking woods together to be alone
0: together yes uh
1: huh <laughs> And then, like, that whole scene plays out with this going on in the background, and then where did the party go starts playing, which didn't fit it tonally, but, like, it fit very well with the way the camera was moving at one point. And then finally, (laughs) scene ends, Bella wakes up the next day, and just one yesterday starts playing. The fucking song that proposes I would trade a million tomorrows for just one yesterday. She wants to go back with Edward. (laughs) I know. and then one of the- <laughs> hold on, let me look up the exact lyric, cause Just One Yesterday also has a very, very good lyric on it. Oh yeah, anything you say can and will be held against you, so only say my name it will be held against you. It's the same scene where fucking Bella and Edward, like Bella's getting looks from all of her friends because she's hanging out with the weird cullen boy and then Edward's getting looks from all of his family because she's <laughs> hanging out with the normie. Brenna! <laughs>
0: Okay, you've won me over.
1: <laughs> um the mighty f- The Mighty Fall had a really good moment at the end with the battle because she's like getting the venom in her veins as like there's like dubstep from the song hitting.
0: Um So let me ask you, did you turn like did you mute the actual sound for this? Or did you just play it in tandem
1: with the sound? S- we started Playing it in tandem, and then that fucking deer got attacked, and I went, "No fuck it, we don't need any audio. We're good, we're good." But I did, I I did turn on subtitles, which also led led to unintentionally one of my favorite moments of all time. And it was during, uh, it was during Alone Together, and you see Edward lean in and go, "Are you afraid?" And right after that, Fallout Boy goes, "Say yeah, let's
0: be alone
1: together." So that one is good. um the scene where um Edward, like right before the baseball game, the baseball game also had a very mm. good tonal shift with the music um but <laughs> miss Miss missing you started playing during the family dinner scene, and I swear to God oh there's God. this lull right before the chorus, and then you like and then it just busts in with the uh, Miss missing you. During that lull, she takes the salad bowl as mm. it breaks the chorus fucking starts nice I swear to god um, and then I guess my, I'm gonna end this my my ted talk on um <laughs> the baseball scene because the baseball sc- the only song that really felt tonally weird throughout the whole film was Ratatat because it's the only film the song that starts with courtney just going it's courtney bitch and i believe at the same time it showed a picture of jacob which was very no. weird
0: i mean he's got really long hair he could be a courtney
1: It's a Courtney, bitch. Oh, shit! I forgot about this scene, too! Okay, we're gonna talk about baseball first, though. Um, let's see. They go out to play baseball as Save Rock and Roll starts playing, which I didn't think would work well, because it's kind of a slower song. No, dog. It felt like empowering of just, like, we're gonna save rock and roll with the power of our baseball.
0: (laughs) That's so
1: dumb. And then... The song starts to wind down at the same time that um, Bob Marley and the Wailers come out of the fucking woods. I'm sorry, I can't remember their names. Bob
0: Marley and the Wailers? What the heck?
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, I saw Dreads and I'm like, Marley. Um, But the best part is the song winds down. They're about to play baseball. And as, um, what's his name? A rejected lead singer for Three Doors Down. What's his name?
0: Are you talking about James Cam (laughs) Gigande?
1: Gigande.
0: That's it. Oh, my God.
1: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, Um, my God. Yes, I am. The minute James starts getting the scent of Bella... The phoenix starts up again, and then you hear "Put on your wall paint," and then the fucking Cullens like go into battle stance. And at this point, I am on the ground having a religious experience because now you you have a chase scene. Brenna, it's I promise you, if you just do it right after this and keep it looping, it's so good. Also, another one I know you don't like, Jacob. But, um, the end of the film, which, by the way, the, if the film goes to credits on, uh, Young Volcanoes, which seemed very charming to me, yeah. um, Miss during Miss Missing You, it's the exact same scene where Jacob is talking to Bella about trying to get her, get her to break up with Edward, and uh, around the exact same time, there's a line in Miss Missing You saying, I'm the best you'll never have. Oh, God. Fuck me, it's so good. Hold on, I'm going back to the notes to see if anything else is, like, perfect. Um, when she goes back into the ballet studio near the end, it plays Where Did the Party Go? again, which seems... It doesn't fit the film, but it totally looked really cool to have her go into this empty ballet studio and then you hear Where Did the Party Go? Right. The one thing that was weird for me was the ending, like, where they're dancing, because I thought it was gonna be, like, maybe Save Uh Rock and Roll... But Save Rock and Roll, apparently, they wanted to keep for the end credits. Um, Instead, it was Death Valley, which I thought was weird for a prom dance until I realized, like, wait a minute. All they're talking about is death. They're talking yeah. about her dying, him wanting to die, all this shit. And I'm just sitting here like... No. So it's really showing, like, if you treat it as the internal monologue for each character on screen, shit fits, like, perfectly. It's insane.
0: I guess, but then you take out that Iron and Wine song that fills me up to the brim with feels.
1: Oh, yeah, the one at the end?
0: Yes, Um, that they bring back for the, the wedding.
1: Yeah, the only, the the one song, I'd say the best song in the movie is Alone Together, because it, every single time it fits, because it starts off with, like, this is the story of how they met, motherfucker, the first time it happens is when Edward is trying to leave the class, <laughs> so it is the story of how they met, the second time is when they're in the woods, best moment in the whole film, in my opinion, at least when synced up to Fallout Boys saving rock and roll, the third one? It's almost like it takes a dark turn because it's when fucking um Nickelback dude wants oh my God. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, Tom Bergeron, whatever his name what? is. When he wants her to go to the ballet studio alone. So he wants them to be alone together. Edward calls and says, We're gonna go somewhere alone together. This song fits this movie so much.
0: Do you know um that meme uh from it's always sunny of the <laughs> guy with like the stuff pinned up on the wall. It's Pepe Sylvia! It's Pepe Sylvia, Brittany! I got boxes of Pepe! That that's you right now.
1: Oh, I had a feeling it was gonna get a little bit too much, but Brita, there were just it was too much to ignore. Cause I I got- I got worried through first playthrough that, like, it's not gonna tonally match the film, then once the second one came around- Oh, by the way, when Bella gets jumped by those fucking guys in the alley, I swear to God, the lyrics, as she's walking down the alley, say, trouble seems to follow me wherever I go. (laughs) And then- It's almost frame perfect. The moment Edward's car spins around that corner, oh whoa! We won't go like that exact. The chorus hits perfectly as he gets out to save rock and roll, Britta. It's real.
0: I would like to first and foremost thank you for finding a way to not shit on this movie. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm baffled but I am proud. You're gonna of you. do
1: it. You know like tomorrow you and Karen are gonna be like sit there like what do you want to watch tonight?
0: I got try-
1: I got to try something real quick. Do you have your Spotify
0: open? Oh my
1: god. Oh man. So yeah, that's all that's oh shit, dude. I'm just like laying here in my godly powers now. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: This is too much. You've that someone's got to take you out now. This is your peak.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Though the minute you were like, "Well, I don't know if we're going to like do New Moon." I'm like, "I don't think Fallout Boys released enough albums for me to score each of the movies."
0: Okay, but but do you have to limit yourself to Fallout Boy? You do realize that like you've got Panic at the Disco, you've got like Green Day, you've got you can you have like an assortment of
1: I will say, um, in case you're wondering how hard I thought about this, if you look at my spot, I I was like, what if the 2008, which is the year this came out, what if the uh, Warp Tour playlist fit perfectly over it? What if Panic at the Discos, um... Shit, what was their original album that was so good?
0: A Fever You Can't Sweat Out.
1: Yeah, what if that fits perfectly? Then I started getting real experimental, like what if Back and Black fit? What if Now this you... one was a this one is partly a joke, but I did contemplate doing Silver Side Up by Nickelback and just seeing oh that fit.
0: You really should have done some Paramore because they have some winners in that movie too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, Save rock and roll. It's 100% the way to go. Even with it, it's Courtney, bitch. Oh, man. um, Fuck it. Let's just talk about audible.com. Okay. I'm not even going to segue. Audible.com. AudibleTrial.com slash BSNetwork, ladies and gentlemen. That's the website where you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. They got over hundreds of thousands of audiobooks for you to choose from at home. And, of course, we got my books on there. We got Queezlecorp, Corp Risen, BS vs. the Gods to debut soon on that platform. Miss B, what you what you audibling? What you listening well, to? Well,
0: let me tell you, my dude. I'm listening to The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman, and it's awesome. Ooh!
1: Anytime I hear Neil Gaiman, it just sends a chill down my writer back. I'm like, oh, yeah, you did it. Yeah, he's it. for
0: good stuff, man. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, But since we're, it, of course, if you want to get any of those books, get a free 30-day trial over at audibletrial.com slash BSnetwork. And now, B, we've talked about the movie. We've talked about the greatest way to watch that movie. Oh but my God. Now, it's now time to see what the fans did.
0: What did the fans do? I'm really <laughs> nervous about what you're bringing to the table. I'm real nervous. No
1: dog, it's fine.
0: I I did not know that apparently after Fifty Shades of Grey was published, that there was like a a crackdown on Twilight fanfiction. So Wait, what? Yeah, what? like most of the good fanfiction had been deleted. And what? there's like, there's stuff up still, but I went to forums and stuff and they're like, yeah, there's this and this and this one, but we had to take it down cause this, and I don't know. It's, it's insane. The fan well, is
1: nuts. I was going to say, Fifty Shades started
0: as Twilight, Twilight fan fiction. But... Yeah. So I don't know. I didn't do research into it, but I don't know. If Stephanie Meyer was like, no. Or if like fans just freaked out, it was like. No one shall ever read this and took it all down. I don't know. Yeah. But what I found was Beware of the Worst, The Cullens, by Vision in Blue. Okay. Let me regale you. <clears throat> Here, Janice said as she pulled a piece of paper from her binder. This is this map is gonna be your guide to Forks High. Katie took the paper from Janice's hand and examined it. By the look of Katie's furrowed brow, Janice knew that she had her work cut out for her. Now, where you sit in the cafeteria cafeteria is crucial, Janice explained, because you got everybody there. Rotating the map, Katie tried to pinpoint her exact location. Damien shot Janice a glance, and she sighed as she continued. Okay, right up. Over there, Janice pointed to a scrawny group of prepubescent boys, then back to a rectangle on the map. That's the freshmen. Well, the male freshman, anyway. Any freshman with a vagina will be staring at a certain table. Over there's the preps. They're known for their discreet glances toward a certain table. They try to hide it only because they're jealous that they always look so put together every minute of the day. What table? Katie asked. We'll cover that soon enough, and our next stop, Janice said, mimicking a caffeinated tour guide, are the JV jocks. Notice their proximity to the varsity jocks table. The varsity docks are notorious for wearing their varsity jackets in all sorts of weather. That and picking on the Asian nerds. The cool Asians are way over there. She gestured to the south end of the cafeteria. Was that the certain table that you mentioned before? Katie asked again, even more eager than before. I'm getting to that. Now, you have the typical... Wait, you don't know typical. I'll save you the pain and give you the Campbell's Soup version. There's the burnouts, desperate wannabes, girls who eat their feelings, girls who wouldn't be caught dead eating, sexually active band geeks, unfriendly black hotties, the greatest people you will ever meet, us, Davia Mouth, pointing at him and Janice, and the plastics, living, breathing Barbie dolls. Coincidentally, the same are twice. Janice and <him. laughs> Who are they? <laughs> Katie asks, pointing to a table in close proximity to them. Oh, then, they are the Mary Sues. There's that Justin Chong kid who is neither cool enough for the cool Asians nor nerdy enough for the nerd Asians, yet you can't help but feel sorry for him. There's Mike Newton. He's been ogling Jessica for the past, I don't know, five years or so. Jessica pretends she doesn't like it, but secretly we all know she, write, she writes paperback porn on what the two of them could do together in her bedroom. I thought, uh-huh. <laughs> I thought Angela transferred out years ago, actually, because she's so quiet and forgettable. Then we have Isabella Swan. I thought her name was Bella, Katie stated, confused. She was in my English class. Well, Isabella doesn't like her full name, which is why I'm intent on using it. She pretends that she doesn't get the attention of any guys at school, but we all know she does. Denying her supposed beauty is just part of that charm that boys go after, because after all, who needs brains, morals, confidence, and self-worth when you have insecurities? Is that the certain table? Which brings me to my last stop, Janice zapped back into her tour guide persona. Beware of the worst, the Cullens. The Cullens? Is that like a religion or something? No, it's a group of five people and they're all adopted, with one exception. They act like they're freaking married or committed for life or something. They also live in the same house, which raises an eyebrow or two, considering the whole committed for life thing. Some find it freaky, some find it cute, and some don't give a rat's ass. By now you should figure out what group I'm in. The tall blonde one is Rosalie. I don't uh, She's with Emmett, the one that has the face that Build-A-Bear for to market on their stuffed beasts. The short-haired one is Alice, <laughs> and, she's with- <laughs> and she's with Jasper. Yes, Jasper always looks somewhat in a Holden Caulfield mood. Holden who? He looks like he's in perpetual pain. Oh, then that's there's the last one. good. That's so I good. I know. I know. <laughs> and then there's the last one, Edward Cullen. The freshman girls and any sophomore, junior, or senior with little to no respect buy after him. The only problem is that he doesn't date anyone. Well, anyone from around here, anyway. Jessica tried to ask him out about 30 times last year, but he politely declined them all. They're all pretty polite, annoyingly enough. Uh, If they're so polite, why doesn't anyone like them? Katie, the thing is that, well, being different isn't exactly a super fabulous thing around here. You wind up getting the short end of the stick of life, but you live beyond your high school years. Maybe I should sit over there just to find out what they're like. Maybe they're lonely. Katie, Damien began. Janice, just tell her your theory. I'm not certain yet, but I've came up with a few possibilities. Then I narrowed them down to anything that doesn't involve radioactive spiders or kryptonite, and she thinks they're vampires. Damien finished. Janice slapped him upside the head. Vampires? Katie laughed. As much as she tried to keep a straight face, she couldn't help bursting into giggles. Well, think about it, Katie. One, whenever the sun comes out, here rarely, They all go on a mysterious camping trip. Vampires can't take sunlight, so they're probably at home. Two, they never eat. Vampires only drink blood, and they wouldn't risk their cover being blown by feeding off the underclassmen. Although, I'd love for Edward to take a nice big bite out of Bella since she's so damn annoying. Three, their eyes change color. Humans don't have color-changing eyes. Damien suggested that this had to do with their feeding Mm -hmm. habits, but I'm apprehensive. And four, they're pale. Well... A lack of constant sunlight doesn't work on anyone who likes to keep a natural tan. As opposed to, Katie started, an oompa-loompa orange spray tan. See Karen of the plastics for clarification. Anyway, the columns are unnaturally pale. I inherited some pretty albino genes from my folks, but I'm not as pale as them. Okay, Katie nodded, dizzy from all this useful information being thrown at her. I guess I now can officially say welcome to Forks High, those you've known and lost will stalk you for the rest of your life. Choose your friends wisely. The end. Oh, it's so good! I liked it! <laughs> I loved that! It was snarky, and I was like, yes, I'll take you.
1: It also reminded me of my favorite and also least favorite mo- character of the movie, and that's Jasper.
0: Uh, oh my god, I don't want to fight with you right now. It's you just... don't know Jasper, you don't know him. No, 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 they you told me, know. they were
1: just like, just so you know, in the books, it kind of explains why he's a fucking creep, and it's because he's just been he's turned, not... and I'm like, yeah, Oh, okay. Well,
0: no. <laughs> they explain that in the movies too, my dude, you just gotta get there, that's what I'm saying, you can't judge a, a first installment, I mean a series by its first installment, you just can't do it.
1: Yeah. But still, fucking Jasper. (laughs) goofy. I did find a fan fiction that I wanted to read, but it was only like 500 words, and it was all about Jasper staring at himself in the mirror while singing I'm Too Sexy.
0: I would have enjoyed that.
1: Um, But no, I found a different one, and I'm not going to reveal the title until the end, because otherwise it does kind of give away...
0: If you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, I swear to God...
1: No, I'm just going to read the entirety of Fifty Shades. No, no, no. Oh, God. Edward Cullen walked down the busy street, deep in thought. It had been a couple of months now since he had left Forks, for the greater good, of course. Now he wandered along, moving from city to city, observing life and trying not to think of what was back there. Or who. He would, of course, lie about where he had been when he hooked up with his family. I mean, he had the whole thing worked out. He would tell them all he had been up to Alaska with the Denali's. Hell, he would even take a detour when he had the chance and ask them to back up his story. He'd beg him if he had to. He would prefer not to, of course, but if it came to that, he would do it. Not that it really mattered, he just wanted to sound like he had been somewhere safe and stable rather than wandering the streets of the cities of America. He looked up, shaking himself from his thoughts. Where was he, anyways? He had traveled mostly by train or bus, so as not to be tracked. New York? No, he remembered being there. The constant noise, the people, the sea of thoughts. That was only days ago, so he must be close by. Ah, yes, he thought. Philadelphia. He realized he was in the wrong part of town, run down streets. This sounds like it's about to be a fresh prince. uh but it <laughs> It's not. <laughs> uh, The type you would expect to see undesirables lurking on the street corners. He also decided he was getting a little thirsty. Not for the red stuff, he had recently started drinking more. Mainly scotch, but he didn't like to limit himself. So much so that the other red stuff was certainly an option if the mood took him, but that didn't end in deaths. The whiskey, though, was different. Warming. He didn't get drunk, but he certainly would feel a small tingle. All this thinking about it made him decide it was time. He scanned the area and spotted a broken neon sign with a shamrock leaf flickering. He walked up and opened the door. 4:42 4:42 p.m. on a Tuesday, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Damn it, Frank! Are you even going to listen to me? Ronald Mac McDonald asked, exasperated. What? He was moving his arms, animated as ever. No," said Frank Reynolds. "What's going on?" Mac threw his arms in the air. His sleeveless shirt showing off his crappy tattoos. Jesus Christ, Frank! I just laid out my plan to get rich using bodyguard training videos. Oh. Frank's face was blank as he took a bite of his sandwich. There are a few things I, for one, would love for you to clear up, said Dennis Reynolds, who was perched on a bar stool beside Frank. Mac turned to Dennis, as if he had only just noticed him, despite the fact that he had been sat there all afternoon. His twin sister, Dee, busied herself on the bar, almost as if she had something to tell the guys, but couldn't pick her time. What, Dennis, what could you possibly need clearing up? Mac raised his voice. He was losing Frank's attention, and this frustrated him. Well, you said the videos would need an experienced bodyguard to run the instructional, and it would need to be someone really buff, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, Mac nodded, eyes wide. And I assume you see yourself as that instructor. Dennis almost seemed to be toying with Mac now. Well, yeah, I mean, who else would do it? Mac now seemed more smug. He never got to finish his thought, though, because just then the door to Patty's Irish Pub swung open and a man stepped inside. A man he had never seen before and this meant he had to perform an ocular pat-down. His biggest challenge right now was the bird-like squark that came from behind the bar. Jesus, D, he wasn't that good-looking. Edward took a step into the bar and looked around. Almost directly in front of him was a slightly chubby guy with badly cut-off sleeves and a light goatee. He seemed to be staring Edward up and down and looking almost terrified. At the bar was a short old man with a vacant expression and a half-eaten sandwich, and a man who obviously thought he was better than he was just from the way he sat. A blonde woman moved uncomfortably behind the bar, trying to look uninterested. Otherwise, there were a few uninterested bums in the booths on the far wall, but they looked like the only part of life they wanted to deal with was their drink. Edward opened the gates and left them into his mind. Wow, wow, okay, I don't see a weapon, but oh, how am I supposed to see a weapon? Oh God, if he goes off, how am I gonna stop him? I mean, I'm I'm way more buff than him, but he might know kung fu better than me or like a different style or something. Oh, and he's hot, too. His gaze fell upon the younger man at the bar. Oh, look! Another random traveler from the night. I wonder if he has any interesting thoughts or ideas, because these people are killing me. I could really use a good late at night. Would it be wrong to have the waitress as a last resort? Ah, probably. Next was the old man. Holy shit! What the hell was Mac even talking about? That guy drives me crazy. This sandwich is fine, though. I wonder what Charlie's doing. He better not be down under the bridge without me. He could find anything down there. Oh, imagine if he found a crate of spam. He might not share it with me. Oh, I wish I had some spam. Oh, hey, who's this jackass? Then he turned his attention on the blonde. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, got to figure out how to trick this guy into banging me. Got to do it. Got to... Okay, got to try. Oh, God. Need help. Uh, maybe Artemis? No, she'll steal him right away. Play it cool. <laughs> he leaned on the bar and waited patiently for the woman to take his order. She fumbled around with a glass, thinking all kinds of thoughts. She also seemed to really crave crack for some reason. These bars were gold mines of random thoughts. As he put his glass to the li- as he put the glass to his lips, the door burst open and a short bearded man with a manic high-pitched voice bounded into the room. Heyo, bitches, I got news. There's vampires in Philly." It seemed this was about to get interesting. And uh, that's the beginning of It's Always Sparkly in Philadelphia. Oh my god. (laughs) Of which there are 5,000 words, but holy shit, the minute I read it, I had two options. It was either this or one where I swear to god he just breaks into John Arbuckle's house and eats Garfield.
0: (laughs) I mean... I'm I'm glad that you chose a good one. I was worried that it was gonna be something, I don't know, less well written than that.
1: Yeah, I I was actually desperately trying to find a song fic based around oh. um, based around a Fallout Boy
0: song, but I couldn't find any. I'm surprised you didn't. There's so many song fics for that. Yeah. I mean, not Fallout Boy, but like Twilight out there. That's all I could find. I did find a beautiful parody called
1: "Bella Swan," whose chorus did read, "Bella Swan has got it going on. She's all I want, and I waited for so
0: long." Yeah,
1: yeah. like I almost just—I almost just brought that to the table with an acoustic guitar and became that guy at a party.
0: I had another, like, less chipper one that I found that was like based in new moon more so so i was like maybe i should save this for later and just put yeah. it into my fanfiction pocket oh you found something dark and
1: brooding about twilight that's a huge surprise i'm gonna punch you right in your face because
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, if you think that you're getting away from dark and brooding my boy you have another thing coming <laughs>
1: next step next time we do this my fan fiction is just about how batman and then twilight combine it's like it's so
0: brooding oh my, oh my god. god that's my that's my language though like on the well sometimes on the outside i'm a bright glittery unicorn but most of the time on the inside it's like metal music <laughs> yeah. despair
1: edward and batman are sitting next to one, one another and Edward's like huh I'm kind of a Batman too, you know what I mean? Uh... Batman's just like shut up, punch.
0: That was a good one. Oh
1: man. Yeah, I know, right? Um can they turn into I I've not gone beyond this. No. The only the only thing that I know of is the fact that later on Jacob tries to fuck a baby or something no- like that.
0: No, oh my god, no. <laughs> I know, it's, imp-
1: it's imprinting, but it's much funnier to say that Jacob tries to fuck a baby.
0: As much as I hate Jacob, no. That's not what happened.
1: <laughs> okay, hold on. I, I guess the phrase fuck a baby might be bit triggering, so instead he tries to fuck a doll that looks like a baby. A very badly done animatronic doll. I
0: will concede to that, yes. <laughs> oh, that was man. bad.
1: But you know who I always concede to, Brenna?
0: Who, who who do you always concede to, Scotty?
1: Our patrons over at ah. Patreon.com/slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to support Fun Fiction and all the other BS Network shows, you can over at Patreon.com/slash a load of B. You get access to our exclusive Discord over there. You get um, shouted out on a load of BS every single week, although I'm thinking about maybe changing that to where you can donate and then say what show you want to be named on and then each show could say, you know, because I know like there's people who donate who like fight boys and then don't listen to BS and I'm like, uh oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I hear this. No. um. So, yeah, if you want to support us, go over to patreon.com slash a load of BS. And now, Britta? Yeah? I mean, you. Th- I'll, I'll, I better not be beginner's luck, B, because you're back at the Ow. table. You're back at it again at Krispy Kreme. Ow, you're hurting my heart
0: here. <laughs> and now I'm nervous. Why do you say things
1: like no, that? No, don't be nervous. Okay. (laughs) If it's... Brenna, if it starts getting bad, I'll just start playing save rock and roll over the back of it.
0: I hate you. Do you want to hear about fanfiction or not? Yes, I do. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, Morty. Um... (laughs) Are you ready? Yes. Okay.
1: Okay, (laughs) I thought you had more to that. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Alice saw it before it happened. There were two distinct timelines, one where her brother risked everything for a girl he barely knew and one in which that same girl would take her last breath in this rain-soaked parking lot. Alice was determined not to influence, influence this choice or to let any of the others see her golden brown eyes go wide as the vision overcame her. She stood perfectly still, allowing the wave of voices, images, emotions, and the scent of human blood to crash on top of her. She felt Jasper grab her hand and squeeze it, and she ran her, ran her thumb over his, trying to reassure him. Jasper relaxed his grip, but at the same time, she felt her body release the tension it had been holding and knew that he had used his pathokinesis to take away the sickening feeling that always followed her visions. She should have known that he would have been able to see right through her. They had a deep, unbreakable bond, and she realized he probably picked up on the nature of the vision already. She looked up at him, finally able to take in his face after the last images of death had left her eyes, and saw that he was looking at the girl, a grimace fixed on his pale, unblemished face. The corners of her mouth turned up slightly, not actually knowing if he was upset about what was going to happen, or if he was choking down a bloodlust that he was still struggling to control. The wind was blowing slightly, and she herself could smell the new girl, a delicious, intoxicating aroma that had to be sending Jasper's mind into overdrive. She was proud of him for his control, but getting more and more worried about the aftermath of what was going to happen next. If that girl's blood spilled, she wasn't sure if he could still stand so stoic, so silent. they had all eaten recently, but the call of human blood, especially one so pungent, would never be able to go unanswered in some way. If she had breath left in her lungs, she would sigh now. Jasper's power was numbing her senses, and she closed her eyes in relief. Jasper could smell her. The small, timid girl who held her shoulders even higher than he did, who had captured the attention of his newfound brother, who was a new, shiny toy to all of the brainless boys he shared the school with. They didn't care that their attention made her uncomfortable. He felt her anxiety and fear bubbling under her skin. He felt the excitement and thrill of the hunt from the boys, dogs tired of chasing the same rabbits they had been unable to catch for years. If only they knew how uninterested she was, how every joke, every question about herself or the weather pushed her farther and farther away. She felt things so strongly that no matter how he tried to ignore her, she pushed into his mind like a battering ram beating down a castle door. He felt her fascination and her desire when he and his family walked into the lunchroom her first day. He smelled her then, too, and it stiffened under Alice's grip. She threw him a bemused smile and distracted him by twirling herself with his hand. It diverted his focus long enough for him to sit at their table where he had struggled to remember to make his chest rise and fall to resemble breathing while attempting to ignore that damned smell and feeling the girl's confusion over Edward. Edward. Jasper shot a glance at him and felt his hunger, his thirst. He knew Edward must smell her too. Even in this crowded parking lot, it was overwhelming. He suddenly realized Alice had gone still beside him, and that was unlike her. She was in every way his direct opposite. Bubbly, outgoing, and talkative to the point of annoyance for most of their clan, but not for Jasper. He reveled in listening to her chatter, knowing she didn't expect him to do anything but be there. He loved her deeply, and if there was anything that caused him greater pain than fighting his inner beast, it was the toll her visions took on her. He could smell the fear on her and took her hand. He couldn't read thoughts like Edward could, but he was an empath. He surmised that something bad was on its way, and as Alice's unblinking stare was fixed on the old orange truck and its owner, he knew just who she was seeing in her mind's eye. He sent a thread of calming energy to his mate, readying them for whatever was to come. He cut his eyes to Edward suddenly, standing on the other side of the Volvo. He, too, was staring at the girl. Edward had never felt this way before. He had nothing but disinterest for the girls he went to school with and was usually able to control his thirst around them even when it had been so long since he'd eaten that his eyes took on the color of an, of an eclipse. A week ago in the cafeteria and then again in biology class he had been so sincerely close to losing himself that he had tried anything to get away from this girl, Bella. The smell of her scent, the smell of her scent all of his senses into overdrive. He wanted her badly. She looked at him with this unreadable intensity, and when he tried to probe her mind, he found a wall as strong as steel holding him back. She was driving him mad, and he had to escape. He took a few days off of school to eat, to think, and to talk to Carlyle. He told Edward to stay away from her. He told him to switch seats with someone in biology. Anything he could do to cut down on any provocations caused by this girl Bella, the better. They couldn't afford to leave right now. There were deaths happening all around them, and if anything happened to Bella because of Edward, they risked being found out. Edward had sent, sent out, set out to follow Carlyle's advice he really had, but he couldn't stand hearing silence from her mind as everyone else's was screaming at him. She was an enigma, a puzzle that he couldn't leave without finishing. So he took his seat and that was that. She was beautiful. She was funny. She was different. Edward felt something stir with him, within him, and it wasn't the thirst he had lived with for centuries now. He was looking at her now, watching her with the same intensity as a hawk watches a field mouse. He was so consumed in his own thoughts, trying to piece this girl together in his head that he didn't—he almost didn't hear the screeching of tires on the far end of the parking lot. He was incredibly fast, but he felt like he was moving underwater as he turned his head to see Tyler's black van hydroplaning into the lot. A car of the same shade tried to back out, noticing the van careening towards the end of the vehicle just in time. The drivers slammed on their brakes, then blared their horn in warning. Edward followed the motion of the van, seeing where it would end its journey in one swift, gut-wrenching moment. His eyes snapped back to Bella, who had obviously come to the same realization. Her face was a mask of pure terror, and he felt his heart drop. He heard Rosalie and Emmett's voices behind him, but he couldn't make out the words. Tyler was praying in his head, begging his God to let the car stop, to spare Bella to just let him live and he would be a saint for the rest of his life. Edward didn't consider himself a God, but he sure as hell was going to answer Tyler. He knew what consequences this might have for his family, but he couldn't stop himself from taking a step forward. Rosalie was bored. She was in high school for the umpteenth time, and though there were all new people with new names and faces, they were all the same underneath. Shallow, mortal, and boring. And then there was the girl. She seemed to have an effect on all of her family. There was an odor to her, sweet like honeysuckles in spring. It pissed her off. As bored as she was, it was a comfortable sort of boring. This comfortable sort of boredom, one that she knew would keep her clan safe. This girl threw a wrench into the gears, and she did not like the way they, she stared at them as if they were science experiments, and she especially did not like the way she stared at Edward, unflinching and curious. She knew Edward was interested in her, too. She saw him follow her out of bi- biology class, begging for a life story like a dog desperate for a treat. It was disgusting. She felt as though her whole family was staring at the girl, now even Emmett, who was standing beside her, smiling his goofy smile, and all of a sudden the sky filled with a strange sort of foreboding. The wind was called away, the rain had stopped, and the only smell in the air was burning rubber. The van came into the lot like a bat out of hell, trailed by smoke and echoed screams. She lazily traced its path but snapped to attention when she saw there was one person, just one, who was in danger. She felt Edward move before she saw it, and Emmett's voice chorused with her own as they shouted at their brother to stop. She reached out a hand, flailing to grab her brother's arm. She made contact, balling up his gray jacket in her hand and yanking him backwards before he could find traction on the ground to run towards the girl. She flung him at Emmett, who locked him into the prison of his arms, looking at his brother apologetically. She heard the impact behind her, and almost immediately after, a piercing and monstrous keening lifted out of Edward's mouth. Confusion filled Emmett's face, and he brought his eyes to Rosalie's, who knew the sound. She knew something had broken in him and felt instant regret. She saved her family, but did she kill her brother in its place? Bella was overwhelmed. This move had been the hardest thing she'd ever done, and it hadn't gotten any easier in her short time in Forks. Her classmates were insistent on making her their new best friend, their girlfriend, their front-page story. But she wasn't interested in any of that. In fact, she wished she could be invisible. After that first day, when the boy in her biology class had acted like she had been sprayed by 25 skunks at once and then requested that he be taken out of her class, she, w- she had been mortified. What kind of cruel joke was he pulling? She was glad when he had disappeared for a few days after that, but felt a small longing inside of her to see his face again. She had asked Mr. Molina to give her seat to someone else, but he was a firm believer in assigned seating, and if he did it for her, he would have to change everyone until they were sitting next to their best friends. So she was stuck. When he returned, however, he was jovial and they fell into conversation like old friends and by the time she left the school building, her mind was suffering whiplash from the complete 180 he had taken. She was in day, in a daze, collecting her things to begin the trek home when she saw the van. She heard a flurry of voices, all of whom had realized her fate before she did. Looking around, she caught Edward's eyes and his golden brown irises were shining and his mouth was twisted in a scowl and he moved. She felt a gust of air hit her and turned. The van was sideways now, as if it had made an attempt to turn the vehicle away from hitting her head on. It was still on course to collide with her, sure to sandwich her between the orange metal of her truck and the black abyss of Tyler's van. There was nothing that she could do, nowhere that she could run. This was it. Her mother would be devastated, and her dad would never be able to live with himself. She cried then, not for herself, but for her family. She surrendered, closing her eyes and setting her jaw, feeling the wind get knocked out of her and her head smacking something hard, and then she could feel nothing at all. Carlyle was at the hospital when it happened. He was checking on a comatose patient's vitals when he felt the telltale rush of wind that followed their kind's velocity. He turned around, a smile gro- growing on his face, happy for a surprise visit from one of his clan. The joy was short-lived, however. He smelled it before he saw it, the overwhelming scent of free-flowing human blood. That sickly sweet, tantalizing smell—it turned his spine to stone as he finally faced Edward carrying a girl, the girl, Bella. Her limbs were limp, some hanging in the wrong direction. Her head lolled back, her head lolled back across Edward's forearm, eyes closed and mouth agape. Carlyle would have thought she were dead, except for the slight movement in her chest. He met at Edward's eyes then, full of pain and fury. Save her, Carlyle, please. Bella's vision came and went, like she were looking at the world through a strobe light. She saw Edward's face, eyes wet and gaunt before her own, mouth moving but accompanied by no sound, at least none that she could hear. Then she saw a very blond, very handsome man in white take his place, and he shined a light into her eyes, looking grim. Was he a doctor? Was this a hospital? He moved out of view, and Bella tried to follow him with her head, but found herself rooted to the spot, and it sent a shock wave of pain through her spine. Everything came back at once then sound, pain, memories, the crash. She was dying. She knew it. She panicked, breath hitching, lungs refusing to fill with air. Suddenly her dad was in front of her touching her face. She noticed his hand came away red. He spoke then looking at the doctor. Do it. If it will save her, please do it. She's all I have. She heard the man's calm and calculated answer. She's going to be much different at first. We can help her, teach her, but just know that you may never get your child back as you know her. She won't age. Her heart will no longer beat. Her consciousness and a need unlike any other will be all that's left. I can't even guarantee the person she is right now will survive. Do you understand this? She didn't catch a reply, but a choked sob loosened itself from her dad's throat. She heard the doctor sigh. You should know this is not the norm for us. I don't particularly like to share our plight with others. You never quite know how it will turn out. All of my family members were alone when they returned. They were sick, dying, and truth be told, forever is a long time, Mr. Swan. I was asked by a mother a very long time ago to do the same thing you're asking of me now. Edward's mother. Then I met Esme, and there was a bond between us. We found Rosalie and had had hoped Edward would find that same bond with her. Without telling you my whole family history, because we are running out of time, I would like to summarize by saying Edward has never felt that pull towards anyone until your daughter. I can't say that I know if these feelings are reciprocated, however, because your daughter has an uncanny ability to block certain talents that we possess. All this to say, no matter what, she will be taken care of. She is like family as far as I am concerned and will be treated as such whether she accepts this bond with Edward or not. She will be unable to come back to you for a time. I'm relying on you for a cover story. It could be years before she is able to be introduced back into civilized society. Bella felt a hand grab hers, and her dad bent down to kiss her forehead. He tried his best to smile at her, but it came out as more of a scowl. I love you so much, Bells. Dr. Cullen is going to help you. He opened his mouth to continue, but all that came out was a wheeze, and he clapped his hand over his mouth and sucked in a shuddering breath. She watched as Dr. Cullen put his hands gently on her dad's shoulders and led him towards the door, murmuring things that were too low for her to comprehend. Edward knelt down by her side then, seemingly coming out of thin air. She didn't even know he was still in the room. He took her arm in his hands and whispered to her, I'm so sorry, Bella. Edward bit down gently into her skin, teeth sliding effortlessly under the tissue and into her veins, letting loose a poison that he knew would course through her slowly, burning her from the inside until she was little more than a shell filled with nothing but the thirst. He kept his tongue on the roof of his mouth, trying desperately to keep as much of her blood as possible from getting into his mouth. He wasn't sure what would happen if he began to drink. She had a sort of power over him, something primal, and he could not see her destroyed any more than she already was, especially not at his hands. He hated himself for allowing her to get hurt, for ending the life she could have had. He was selfish, He should have let her die there in the parking lot, but he wasn't strong enough for that. He knew if he took her to Carlisle, he would save her without question. He was glad that they had found her father so quickly and that they could confess their secrets to him. It comforted him to know that he wasn't the only one counting on Bella's survival in any way possible. All at once, she was convulsing, changing. Carlisle appeared back in the room, grabbing her feet as Edward tightened his grip on her arms, feeling the warmth being sucked out of her. Froth formed at the edges of her mouth and Edward screwed his eyes shut, cursing himself for his cowardice. The shaking stopped and he opened them again to see her bones resetting themselves. Her cuts, bruises, and blemishes smoothed, returning itself to her beautiful porcelain complexion. She sat up in a quick, imperceptible motion, opening her eyes. They were the color of unfinished rubies, a dark red that gave away the predator that lay sleeping inside that beautiful prison. She looked at Carlyle, then Edward. Brows furrowed and nostrils flaring. She snarled, a low predatory sound. What did you do to me? The end. Damn you!
1: <laughs> what? Your good ass writing. My bad. Also, uh, I assume that as the books go on it reveals like why they can't read her mind, right? Uh yeah, I think so. She's special. <laughs>
0: Wait, hold on. Is the whole explanation there.
1: she's spe- <laughs> these are my special shoes?
0: I don't. I. It's been a while. I'm due for a reread. It does explain it, but I can't remember exactly what it is.
1: Okay. Okay. Well. Well, I think I'm convinced. I think we need to do New Moon, which means I do need to find a Panic at the Disco album <laughs> that's exactly one third the length.
0: Thank God. I'm sure you can do it.
1: Oh wait, wait. Shit. Which? Where's the one? They get married in the third one, or is it the fourth?
0: Uh, it's the fourth one. But like, damn it, there's two different. Oh, you were wanting to do
1: <laughs> death. I was gonna put death of a bachelor
0: over it. Yes, um, I was. No, I was. Th- I was thinking <laughs> from a fever, you can't sweat out of <laughs> <laughs> the poor group's pride
1: is all Poor, yeah. I chime in with haven't. You... Oh, man, that would, no, that would probably get the exact opposite feel that I want from that scene, but...
0: Meh.
1: Oh, God, B, it was good. It was good, and I enjoyed it, but...
0: But... Unfortunately,
1: our, our time is coming to an end.
0: Oh. Liff's yeah, I wasn't trying
1: to, be, I was trying to be a dick there. I was just like, I'm sorry, we can't do this. We can't do this anymore. Um, so, Britta, where can they find you on the internet?
0: Find me over on the Twitter and the Instagram at uh, Brennasaur, B R E N N A S A. You are homies.
1: That's right, dog. You can find me on Twitter at Scottymo. That's S-E-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And you can buy all my books on Amazon: The Queasel Corp Trilogy, BS vs. The Gods, or go to audibletrial.com/slash BS Network. Get a free 30-day trial of audible, and you can get Queasel Corp or Revelation Corp Risen. Sorry, not Revelations. That one's not out yet. All four completely free. It supports us. You get a free audiobook. So, what are you waiting for, you dingus? Big it, dinguses. And of course, make sure to check out all the other BS Network programs online at a load of pure bs.com Fight boys for the pro wrestling fans. Opposite distractions if you like theme parks, and then of course, a load of BS if you like two best friends, B and Dicks. So make sure to check that out. If you are on uh, YouTube or iTunes, make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and send in. Any possible fan fiction you could have for next week's episode. Because, Brenna, next week, we're not talking about a book. We're not talking about a movie. Oh, God, what are we we're doing? Not even, we're not even talking about a podcast. Oh, God, what is it? We're talking about a man. And his name
0: is John Cena! Oh, thank God. <laughs>
1: We, yes, we're gonna have a full John Cena Fun Fiction episode next week. So make sure to submit all that either on the Twitter account, a load of pure BS, or you can email it to us. And then always remember you can support over at Patreon, or you can support us by picking up an awesome shirt at com, ladies and gentlemen. But until next time, Miss Brenna.
0: Stay away from sparkly baby Hitler. Sparkly
1: baby? I know what you are. Tiny. Tiny mustache. (laughs) Say it out loud.
0: Pure. Oh my god.